Welcome to Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall. Won't you join me tonight in reading Revelation chapter 14, verses 6 through 13. And here's what John the apostle, the human author of the book of Revelation, had to say. John said, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. The angel said with a loud voice, For God and glory, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship who made heaven and earth, the sea, and springs of water. And another angel angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she, had ma- she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night who who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard from a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works. Last week in the first five verses of Revelation chapter 14, we looked at uh, again another view of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists who will cover the earth with proclamation of the gospel during the time of the tribulation. In the remaining verses of this chapter, we have a series of activities carried out by angels. And in the rest of chapter 14, we will see one angel after another coming forward to carry out some kind of mission for God. In ancient Greek plays and ancient Greek dramas, it was often not possible for them to show everything that took play in a story on their stages. Their stages, the stages in which these dramas were presented were usually quite small, and the props that they would use in the plays were very limited. So when they would get to a place in the play where something happened that they really couldn't show on stage, they didn't have the ability to show this particular event on stage during the play, they would have a messenger come out on the stage And the messenger would announce the event that had taken place. For instance, if a city had been burned, they would announce the burning of the city. Or if a battle had been fought, which was necessary to the story, a messenger would come out during the play, and he would announce from the stage the battle and its outcome. Well, the messengers in Greek plays, those who came out and made these announcements, were actually called angels. The word angel literally means messenger. Tonight, as the drama of the tribulation continues, we have in these verses a series of angelic messages 
angels coming on stage in the book of Revelation to make proclamations. First of all, there was the proclamation of the gospel. In these verses, there is an angel flying in the mid-heaven, in the sky above the earth. And this angel is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, in the time that we live, the age we live in the age of grace, in the age of the gospel, in the age of the open door, in the age of the church. In the time that we live, God does not use angels to proclaim the gospel. Today, he uses people. He uses followers of Jesus Christ. But in the tribulation, God is going to use an angel to proclaim the gospel to the world. Even in the midst of all of these judgments that are falling upon the world during the time of the tribulation, God continues to extend his grace to any who would want to be saved. Even while his end-time judgments are falling upon the earth, God will reach out to the tribulation world, this time in a supernatural way. God will send an angel, and this angel will in fact circle around the world in the sky. And this angel, as he circles the earth in the sky, will proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, you would think that such an event would have an impact on the world and many people would be saved. Maybe some will be saved, but many will be not, will not be saved. In fact, many will continue to harden their hearts, even though an angel in the sky is proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Today, God doesn't use angels. He uses people. Today, Christians are the ones who have been called and commissioned by God to carry the gospel around the world. I had this thought. Do you ever think that the angels ever wonder why we are so reluctant to share the gospel and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ with other people? After all, the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And when we have good news, we love to proclaim it. We love to share it. We love to tell it to other people. I wonder if the angels ever wonder why we're so reluctant to share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's the good news of forgiveness, the good news of eternal life. It's the good news that God will forgive all of the sins of those who repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ which is the only way of salvation. The gospel is the good news that because of their repentance and their saving faith, God takes the believers, uh, God takes the one who believes into his eternal kingdom and makes that person his child. It's also interesting that this is the only time the word gospel is found in the book of Revelation. Now, the word gospel is found almost a hundred times in the rest of the New Testament, but only one time in the book of Revelation. And this is that one time as an angel circles the earth, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes in the New Testament, the gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom. It's called the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called the gospel of God. 
It's called the gospel of the grace of God, the gospel of the glory of Christ, the gospel of salvation, the gospel of peace. It's called the glorious gospel. In this passage, the gospel is called the everlasting gospel. The gospel is a message of mercy. It is a message of forgiveness. But also, the gospel is a message of judgment that needs to be avoided. Revelation 14, 7 again. The angel said with a loud voice, Fear God. Give him glory. For the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. The person who rejects God's love, mercy, and grace in the gospel will face his judgment unless they, re they repent. Notice that this angel preaches, but there is no record and no evidence of a response to the preaching of the gospel, even when it's done by an angel in the sky Today, if this happened, if an angel proclaimed the gospel in the sky above the earth, you would think that there would be a tremendous revival. But during the time of the tribulation, when this event happens, when this angel proclaims the gospel of Jesus, it seems that there is no response from those who have rejected him in the world. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? The gospel is the simple story of Jesus. It's the story of who he is, the Son of God who came into this world through the miracle of the incarnation and the virgin birth. It's the story of his life, that Jesus lived a perfect life, a sinless life. It's the story of all that he did and all that he said, the words of life and the works of God. The gospel is the story of how Jesus went to a cross gave himself on that cross in a sacrificial way, as a sacrificial death, taking our place upon the cross, taking our sins upon himself, paying the price for our own disobedience and our own rebellion against God, standing in our stead, receiving the wrath of God that we deserve because of our sins, dying on the cross for our sins. And then he was buried, which is proof of his death. But then Jesus Christ came back to life. The resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is a declaration that his death on the cross was truly a sacrificial death for all of us. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is the story of how Jesus went back into heaven and how today he is saving all of those who would call upon his name. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the declaration that he is coming again and that he is the only way to salvation. He's the only door to heaven. He's the only way any person can be saved, born again, become a child of God, and enter into heaven when they die. Jesus Christ is the key to a good life in this world, a blessed life in this world, the life that God wants us to live in this world. And Jesus Christ is the key to an eternal existence with God forever in heaven. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this angel circles the earth proclaiming the gospel. Second of all, there's another proclamation of another angel. It's found in Revelation 14, 8. 
Another angel proclaims the destruction of Babylon. This angel comes on the stage of the time of the tribulation, and he makes this declaration that Babylon the Great has fallen. Now, the destruction of Babylon will not actually occur. It's not actually recorded until chapter 17 and 18 of the book of Revelation. But here, the destruction of Babylon is announced. This is an announcement of anticipation. In other words, it's announced here before it actually happens because the fall of Babylon is as good as done. It is going to happen, and there is no doubt. And as we shall see in Revelation 17 and 18, the fall of Babylon will be a shock to the tribulation world. Now, what is Babylon? Well, it could be that the Antichrist will actually rebuild a city on the site of ancient Babylon and will make it one of his capital cities or one of the centers of his power. It could be that. But Babylon in this passage probably doesn't refer just to a city. Babylon in this passage stands for the kingdom of the Antichrist. It stands for the worldwide political, economic, and religious empire of the Antichrist that will hold the world in its, in its way, the Antichrist and his kingdom during the time of the tribulation. The tribulation world will be intoxicated, this continuous orgy of rebellion, idolatry, immorality, and hatred of God. This angelic announcement is a warning that no matter how powerful and invincible it may seem, the kingdom of the Antichrist will soon fall. And those who follow him will end up drinking the wine of the wrath of God. Babylon today represents the world system, a system of the world that hates God, that rejects him and his people. Babylon today represents the world system that hates the God of the Bible, who is the only God that there is. The Bible warns that while we must interact with unbelievers in this world, while we must try to build friendships and relationships with unbelievers in this world so that we can witness to them of the truth of who God is, we must never allow ourselves, ourselves to be caught up in the values and the sins of this world and be unfaithful to God. So a second angel proclaims the fall of Babylon, the fall of the kingdom of the Antichrist. Here's the third proclamation of another angel. It's the proclamation of God's indignation. It's found in Revelation 14, verses 9 through 11. These verses, this proclamation of this angel, paints a terrible picture of hell, the eternal destiny of all those who refuse to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hell is real. The same Bible that proclaims that heaven is real proclaims equally that hell is a real place. Why should we believe that hell is real? We should believe that hell is real because the Bible clearly teaches that hell is real. Second of all, we should believe that hell is real because Jesus 
our Lord and Savior, who had the most tender heart that ever beat in a human breast, continually warned of a terrible place called hell. Now, God is a God of love, and God does not want anyone to go to hell. God wants to forgive. He gave his son so no one would perish. He wants to save sinners from hell and the eternal punishment of their sin. This is why God sent his only begotten son into the world, to die on the cross for our sins, that we might not perish. And so hell is real. But God desires that none perish, but all come to repentance, and all come to faith, and all come to salvation. The question is often asked, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? If God is a God of love, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? How do we answer that question? Well, first of all, God does not send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell. And they choose that by rejecting Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. Second of all, how could a loving God send anyone to hell is not the right question to ask. That's not the right question. The right question is this. How could a loving God allow an unredeemed sinner to go to heaven? How could a loving God allow an unredeemed sinner to go to heaven. Only those who are covered with the perfection of Christ, those who have been made perfect by God, will be allowed into heaven. Only those who have been made perfect to God, those who have been prepared for heaven, can possibly survive in the perfect and holy atmosphere of heaven. Heaven is perfect. And it's holy. An unredeemed person who has never been forgiven of their sins could never survive in the holy atmosphere of heaven. To take an unredeemed person and put them in heaven would be like taking a person of the earth and putting them on Mars without a spacesuit. They can never survive because they're not fit. We're not fit. We of earth are not fit to live on Mars. Those who are unredeemed are not fit. They are not prepared to live in heaven. The unredeemed can never survive in heaven. And even if an unredeemed person could somehow go to heaven, they could never approach the holy presence of God. They can never interact with the people of God or the holy angels. They can never enjoy the blessings of heaven, the bliss of heaven, which are reserved only for the redeemed. In fact, this is true. To take an unredeemed person and put them in heaven would be a far worse punishment than sending them to hell. Verse 10 says that those who are in hell are continually tormented with fire and brimstone. Is there literal fire and hell? Jesus himself said that there was fire and hell. And either the fire that is spoken of as being in hell, either it is literal 
or it is symbolic of something so much worse. That fire is the only thing that can even begin to describe it. These verses also say that the punishment of hell is not temporary. It is forever. Again, Revelation 14, 11. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they have no rest, day or not, day or night, who worship the beast in his image, whoever receives the mark of his name. The same Bible, which teaches that those who believe in Christ receive eternal life and a place of everlasting bliss in heaven, also teaches that those who reject Christ are lost forever in a literal hell. And so these three angels come on the stage of the time of the tribulation to make these proclamations. Now this passage closes with a special word of encouragement to God's people. Again, Revelation 14, verses 12 and 13. Here's how this passage closes. Here is the precious patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. There are only two ways a person can die. A person will either die in their sins, John 8, 24, or they will die in the Lord. Spiritually, there's only two ways a person can die. They will either die in their sins or they will die in the Lord. If a person dies in their sins, that is, if their sins are unforgiven, if they have not been redeemed, if they have not received Christ and the redemption that Christ offers, the grace of God for salvation, if a person dies in their sins, hell is their eternal home. But a person, if a person dies in the Lord, if a person dies who has received Christ as their Savior and Lord, who has received forgiveness and the grace of God, then heaven is their home. There's no mystery about what happens when a person dies. It's only one of two destinations. You either die in your sins, unsaved and unforgiven, or you die in the Lord, saved and redeemed. It's one or the other. And how you die determines where you go after you die. The statement is made in this passage, blessed are those who love and live for Jesus in this world, and blessed are those who die in the Lord. Those who die in the Lord will rest from their labors. This word for rest in this passage doesn't refer to idleness. Like you sit down and you do nothing. The word means to be refreshed, to be rejuvenated. The word means to be free. Free from struggle, free from conflict, free from stress. It means to have peace. Those who die in the Lord will be free. They will be refreshed. They will be rejuvenated. They will go to the place that God has prepared for them.
This word for rest was used of soldiers returning to home after going through the struggles of battle and war. It was used of sailors returning to their home port after a long voyage of sailing through seas that were often rough and stormy. We go home. If you die in the Lord, you go home. You go home to rest. Now, to rest doesn't mean you're idle. Heaven will not be a place of idleness. What will we do in heaven? Well, in heaven we will serve the Lord. We will fellowship with the Lord. We'll fellowship with saints. We'll fellowship with angels. We'll never get tired. We'll never get weary. In heaven there'll be no battles. There'll be no conflict. There'll be no opposition. In heaven we will have the unbridled joy of serving the Lord in peace. This passage also says that the works we do for the Lord will follow us. One day, at the judgment seat of Christ, the Lord will evaluate how we live for Him after we were saved. And we will be rewarded for the works we have done for Christ in this world. Now, heaven is a great blessing, but on top of that, God will give us rewards in heaven for how we have served Him in this world. And so the works that we do will follow us when we go to heaven. By the way, the order of salvation is always salvation works first and then works. It's never works first and then salvation. You are saved, and then you do those works for God. No we, a work we do for the Lord will go unnoticed. No work that we do for the Lord will go unrewarded. And the Lord will keep a record of all of that work. When we stand before Him one day, He will give us a reward for all that we have done for Him. What a good and gracious God that He is. By the way, what is the best work we can do for the Lord? That is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to those around us. Well, that's our study of the book of Revelation tonight from Revelation chapter 14. Next Sunday, we'll continue our study. We'll finish and complete our study of this chapter, Revelation 14 in the book of Revelation. Now, if you're interested in catching up on past studies of our study of the book of Revelation, you can go to truesforlifewithchrishall.com. That's truesforlife.com. With chrishall.com, you can also go to the Facebook page of Mercedes Baptist Church. Check out our Facebook page, and you'll find all of our studies there as well. Thank you for joining us on this Sunday night as we continue our study of the book of Revelation. I hope that you have been blessed by our study, and I pray that you will have a great and wonderful week this week. May you have many opportunities to do good for the Lord this week. And I pray that next Sunday you'll be in God's house to join with God's people in worshiping the Lord. If you're looking for a church home, join us at Mercedes Baptist Church, 2623 Moultrie Road in Albany, Georgia. We'd love to have you come join us. Until we meet again, our prayer is that God will bless you and take care of you. Thank you for joining us tonight, and God bless. Thank you for joining us for our program today. 
Truths for Life with Pastor Teacher Chris Hall is a presentation of Hall Sports Communications. To contact us, you can send an email to chrishall71 at hotmail.com. That's chrishall71 at hotmail.com. Be sure to join us for our next program. Until then, stay safe and may God bless you.